<clears throat> My fellow Americans and voting illegal aliens, I will not mince words. Your country needs you. That's why today I'm proposing a temporary refund adjustment. Refund? Hey, sounds good to me. Ship each attack. We love you, President Simpson. The months ahead will be long and arduous, but it is only through arduosity that if you like refund adjustments and the music I play, send a check to my friend Ralph and he'll mail you a tape. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is my brother Bart, who doesn't seem to realize this isn't the best time for his music. He's one of the people I want to help with my programs. Hey, Lise, my music is going to make it a lot easier for America to swallow your big tax hike. <gasps> tax hike? Hold the phone, Mabel. You know I never trusted her. Don't blame me. I voted for Chastity Bono. They like a man you want to my tape. Tape! He said tape! Oh. Post office box 30452. Good night, America. And we're out. Why, you little... <coughs> Help! <coughs> Secret Service! <coughs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF13. It is Bart to the Future. I am Dando. I am Guy. Pleasure to be here on a rather chilly evening. Yeah, chilly, chilly for more reasons than one. We've uh, gone back into lockdown. Well, we haven't, but Melbourne has. Yes, indeed. And Geelong is Melbourne adjacent to uh, you know students of geography, so uh, we haven't actually got the severe... Uh, lockdown conditions that Melbourne has, but who can tell what will happen in the future, as as per this episode. <laughs> That's exactly right. Look, 30 <laughs> days into the future, we could be in lockdown as well, but all of our listeners who currently live in metropolitan, metropolitan uh, Melbourne, uh, we're thinking of you guys. We know it's tough being in lockdown. We've been there ourselves, and obviously, we probably will be in there again at some point in the near future as well, because we live so close to you guys, but just know that we're all thinking of you, and we will get through this. We will indeed, and we will also endeavour to provide you with some uh, some easy listening uh, while you're, uh, yes, trapped within your four walls. Yes, that is right. So, uh, Bart to the Future, Mr. Davis, this was the second um, episode where they've skipped forward to the future, the first one being Lisa's Wedding, and I had to watch this a couple of times because the first time I watched it, I kept comparing it to Lisa's Wedding, and that's not really fair on this episode, even though it's sort of meant to be a, somewhat of a companion piece to it. Um, but Lisa's Wedding is just such a great episode. And obviously, it came in season six when The Simpsons was at their just peak, basically. Mm-hmm. This this episode had its moments, but it left me a little disappointed. I don't know. There just wasn't much to it, really. It just it, Again, like I said, I can't compare it to Lisa's Wedding, but it's just hard not to because it's the, it's the, the same kind of scenario where they're jumping forward in the future. And this one just, just sort of, I don't know, it just, it was, there was more misses than hits. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think you're bang on when you say there's not much to it. I found this uh, slim bordering on supermodel. It is, there's just really not much to it at all. One or two good gags, one or two surprisingly uh, predictive moments, shall we say, looking ahead 20 years into the future as they did and, you know, making a joke about a a certain reality TV show host slash failed businessman becoming president. But, um, yeah, otherwise it's just like, I don't know, not what's the point? Because, I mean, yeah, it's yeah you get a few laughs out of it and sometimes that's all you need out of a Simpsons episode, but it really feels like 
not even that they got the work experience kid to write this, but uh, it does feel kind of autopilot to me. Yeah, see, the, the, with Lisa's wedding, I mean, uh, the, the jump into the future is, is a gimmick, basically. And this here, it doesn't give you any reason to have to live through that, uh, to have to sit through that gimmick. Because in with Lisa's wedding, by the end of it, you sort of get the ending where Lisa and Homer... Um, they have a, a really touching moment at a wedding and whatnot, and it sort of and it ends with Lisa realizing that you know Homer might annoy her, but you know in the future he will be there for her. He'll always be the the the, mm. the number one man in her life. That's the whole point of that story. It's touching. It brings a tear to your eye. It's fucking great. This one here, it's like okay, so Bart is a schmuck. He just <laughs> invites himself into the White House because Lisa's the president. Apparently the. Um, Secret Service are really bad at their job and can't stop Bart from continuously interrupting live <laughs> broadcasts. And then he saves the day because he's good at avoiding debt collectors. So what it's basically saying is Lisa becomes president. My question is, how does she become president? Because she's clearly, if you go by this episode, not very good at the job. Well, I don't think that she so much that she's bad at the job. She's just sort of got into it. And clearly, I think she has good intentions. I mean, you know, she wants to have various programs for underprivileged kids, what have you. She wants to get the economy back on track. But uh, you know who has left things in such a shambles that she's really got her work cut out for her. I don't think it's anti-Lisa, and I don't think it's painting Lisa as a uh, bad person or even a bad politician. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole... um, the whole Bart thing, I mean, he's he's not very likable in this. And I say this as someone who, you know, actually kind of aspires to his lifestyle. His beach shack is actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I couldn't buy into was that, to me, the way Bart was living his life, the way he looked, the way he was, just, yeah, just everything about him, I didn't buy him at being 40 years old. No, eh, you don't know that many 40-year-old slackers. I know people who are like that. <laughs> I, having said that, I didn't buy... Uh, 40-year-old Bart as Bart, you know? I mean, this didn't seem like the kind of person that Bart would grow into or the kind, even the kind of sort of ne'er-do-well slacker that Bart might grow into. I don't. I mean, look, I'd probably have to do a little more thinking about Bart three decades down the line, but him turning into like a, you know, sort of Jimmy Buffett wannabe, you know, playing shitty sea shanties at the Crab Shack or whatever... Not really buying it, and it didn't feel um, it didn't feel like a logical extension of the character that we've sort of uh, come to know over time. I don't, I don't know. It just yeah, it didn't it didn't sit right with me. But few things about this episode did. I mean, when you said you had to sort of sit through it a couple of times, I'm like, what? Because it was dull? Because it kind it it kind of was for mine. And I I don't like sledging episodes, but I mean... We're not 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 sledging, we're just uh, explaining how we felt. And I got to the end of the first viewing and sort of went, there's just nothing there. Was I not paying attention? And I watched it again and went, no, there's really not. It's just, I don't know. There's a couple of of funny moments, but man, it's just, yeah, as you said earlier, it's very thin. And even the sort of recurring riff about you used to be cool, it's like, I I don't know, are you trying to, make this a thing because it's not really a thing <laughs> um i don't know if it's a callback to you know lie a line that's been said in previous episodes or whatever but i mean to the best of my recollection this was probably the the first and maybe the only time that's like oh you used to be cool kind of thing uh, was ever yeah, used. It, it, it wasn't a recurring thing at all it was just in this episode but i think it's you're getting back to what you're talking about earlier with bart i think it's almost 
depressing's too strong of a word, but it's that kind of vibe when you're watching these characters that you've watched for the last decade and they go, oh, this is what they turn out in the future and Bart's just a bum and it's like, I don't want to watch this. At least in, I know, I know so I wouldn't compare it to Lisa's wedding, but it's hard, it's, it's hard not to. Like in Lisa's wedding, he became, he, he worked like demolishing buildings and whatnot. So, he sort of made something of himself. You're still... There's still elements of Bart there. You're still. Yeah. It was like he capitalized on what his uh, his skills were. Well, that's like where, the yeah. Where he just doesn't episode, care. He, he, he just wants to mooch. And I'm like, nah. Yeah, Bart in the in Lisa's weapon they were saying, <laughs> I can't believe they pay me to do this. It's just it's just one line. It's a little throwaway line, but it's logical. I mean, he he you know, he liked to wreck stuff before. He's wrecking stuff now and making coin doing it. That that's sort of a it's a logical enough leap. Apart from, you know, doing Lisa's birthday song with uh, a <laughs> redacted artist here. Um, <laughs> you know, has he ever sort of had a musical bone in his body? I mean, to the best of my recollection, no. So, turning him he into... Did, he, he, he did once sing Teddy Bear Pitnick at Moe's. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> how, to, how could I forget? Yeah, so... And, and you know, even that whole thing at the end where, he, um, where Bart says to the unnamed uh, casino owner guy or whatever. It's like, oh, wait a minute, this is my future. Why are, you know, uh, mum and dad and they're doing stuff? Oh, they thought it was a bit thin. It's like, even, yeah, you're right, it was thin. I mean, what, searching for Lincoln's gold? Eh, I mean, and eventually finding it and finding that note. I mean, even that wasn't much of a payoff. No, this it was, was like, yeah. he, he's, he's looking for it. He, he, he makes a hole in the floor and then he finds it. <laughs> yeah. Look, one or two good things in this episode, but um, kind of a non-starter for me. I think the Homer story was the uh, the most enjoyable part of the episode in the sense that it was the most fun, even if it was bland. At mm. least it was just... it it It's something you would actually buy into Homer doing, at least. You know, believing that there is gold, searching for it, and, you know, digging a hole through the floor and things like that. That's something that Homer would do. But yeah. it was just... It was like, okay, dug the hole, and then they didn't show enough of him... Struggling to find it. It was just... Well, yeah. Creates a hole, I mean, then finds it. <laughs> look, I don't want to sort of, you know, dwell on the past too much, but I mean, the previous episode, Pygmalion. I mean, I was very big on it. You were as well. And one mm. of the reasons that I liked it so much was it felt like any opportunity they could have to throw in a gag or a one-liner or just a nifty, witty bit of wordplay, they took it. And, you know, there was no, there were no lags. There were no sort of dead spots. And you, you can constantly chuckled all the way through you know with this i mean i don't think there were that many and even you know when um homer's sort of digging for lincoln's gold in the white house and he busts through the floor and marge sort of snarks at him and just do the shut up it's like that's that's a bit lazy if you ask me now i don't it's what, uh, what, what i did like about the episode though what i did like was that uh the, there was a few back references to previous episodes so we got things like gabbo um, I was always. I'm very happy to see Gabbo. Yeah, I, I like that because Gabbo's one of those characters that was so big for one episode. And Krusty gets cancelled was a huge episode when it first came out, mm. and we've just never seen Gabbo since. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was great to see him back. It was also sad, like the the, the ventriloquist has obviously lost his mind, and <laughs> he's just he's just but like that. Are there any sane ventriloquists? I've met Strasman, and he's he is sane. <laughs> oh, true, I met Strassman as well, yes, and he, he was relatively normal. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just sad seeing uh, Gabbo in such a dilapidated state, but anyway. And, the, and they're just unceremoniously tossed in the skip. Hey, my favourite. I know we shit on the episode a lot, 
if there was one, what was your favourite moment? <laughs> I didn't mind the joke about, um, you know, dragging up the baby. Hello, Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Looks like just like her mother, Maggie Senior. It's like, eh. <laughs> that, that, that was clever. Yes, that was something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, also, I also didn't mind the, um, this wasn't my favourite moment, but I didn't mind the, the crazy talk. That's crazy talk. <laughs> crazy talk wasn't bad. That was all right. But my, my favourite moment, though, was purely the delivery of the, um, the range or whatever. When he goes, the mosquitoes are firmly in charge. Charge. Yeah, that, is the, that is the first note that I took. That was a, uh, it was a very well-delivered line. It was very good. What else have I got? No, there, there wasn't a whole lot in this that kind of, uh, kind of leapt out at me. Hmm, it's, it's weird because it was written by Dan Graney, who he's written quite a few of his episodes. Let me just get his, uh, his wiki page up. Let's just run through episodes he's written in the past. All right. So he wrote King Size Homer, Summer of Four Foot Two, Treehouse of Horror 7, My Sister, My Sitter, Spin-Off Showcase, Realty Bites, This Little Wiggy. He wrote so many good episodes. It's surprising that... I just don't get it how this one... Maybe it was the, the formula of having to think of something in the future. I'm not too sure, but yeah, it just didn't... It just didn't didn't click for me. But anyway, I'm sure there's people out there who did enjoy the episode. Yeah, true. And look, I, th- I don't know if you mentioned this on the on the Facebook page or or anything like that, but I mean, and I don't want to sort of turn this into a regular thing, but uh, there are some quote unquote problematic elements in this episode, whether it's you know to do with the Indian casino or to do with um, Rod and Todd. I've been going back and watching some um, some recent shows. I posted in the group last night, Boston Legal. And I think it's just a case of sometimes you go back and watch these shows from the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's just going to happen because it's just apparently that's just what television was like to an extent. It was yeah. just, it was, it was accepted. It was just part of television. So I think it's just a case of we can acknowledge it, but it's just like, it's just the way things were. As problematic as it is, it's hard. You can't sort of jump forward 20 years and then go, oh, they shouldn't have said that. It's like, yeah, well, they probably wouldn't say that now. Oh, yeah. But, look, at, I'm, but at the time, they, they were able to, you know what I mean? I look. I'm never going to sort of you know judge past art through a 2020 lens. You know that way lies madness. I, I wouldn't do. It. But I mean, so, but it got me thinking. Well, it got me thinking about two things. First of all, I mean, as someone who was <laughs> around and you know supposedly grown up uh, in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, or whatever in this era, I think there may have been a general thought among artists and entertainers. It's like hey, guys, we all know that, you know, certain marginalised groups have been hard done by. We all know that, you know, and in our everyday lives, we're going to not stand for that. But, you know, because we all know that now, we can sort of make jokes about it, you know, because no one's going to take it seriously. The fact that, oh, hey, hey, we're pointing out that those characters you think are gay are gay. But But at the same time, so... Yeah, you know, no one, of course, is going to take this seriously and no one's going to view it as a way to live their lives. But then, you know, uh, in the case where Homer walks into the Inn Casino and is like, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? It's like, okay, yes, Homer's a dummy. Homer puts his foot in his mouth on the regular. Now, and of course it's a... But Homer's kind of lovable as well. I mean, you know, we, we generally feel for Homer. We can some 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 of us actually see too much of ourselves in Homer. But I mean, uh, I mean, I mean the, the joke in that is is that like you said, Homer shouldn't be doing this. That's the He joke. shouldn't be doing it, but Homer's not, you know, explicitly painted as a bad guy or even a bad or he's a clueless person, but yeah, but his cluelessness is is more out of ignorance than kind of any ingrained attitudes. So it kind of blunts the whole don't do what Donnie don't does message. 
the, you know the, the, problem, the, the problem with it is that this is a kids' show, in essence. I mean, adults can enjoy it. It's a kids' show. Yeah. It's an animated show. And him not being reprimanded for doing that, kids don't look into it and don't read into it as in the sense of, oh, the joke is that he shouldn't be doing it. Kids see him yeah. doing it, think it's funny, and think it's okay to do it too. That's the issue with it. Like yeah, now- the, the, fact, the fact that he's not reprimanded at all, that's when it becomes, okay, this... No, forget the bit being offensive. It's just a case of you're encouraging kids to do it because it's it's funny. But kids will now think, oh, that's funny. I can do it too. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to yeah. remind kids. It might have been funny. You might have thought it was funny, but you shouldn't be doing it for this reason. That's the thing. And I don't want to be a scold who's slapping The Simpsons or South Park or anything no, else no, on no. the wrist. But, uh, I mean, if you had like just a character rolling their eyes at Homer uh, as he does that, you know, like a two-second cutaway. I don't know. Maybe you can make all the difference. I'm not telling anyone. I'm not telling the guys at The Simpsons how to do their jobs. but And, yeah, quite frankly, as I said, problematic elements are not necessarily that I dwell on because, hey, I'm a middle-aged, middle-class white guy. What, what, what was interesting was I read on the wiki page, I'm assuming this is from the, um, the audio commentary or something, and I posted the screenshot with this in the group, on, our, on the Patreon group on Facebook. Um, they were... The, the joke was about the high Hawaii was pitched by Tom Gamble and there was a debate among the staff of the show as to whether they should include it or not as it might be offensive to, to Native Americans, which obviously I assume it would be to many of them. Um, it says here, however, according to Mike Scully, the showrunner, Dan Castellanada did such a good job. He was so funny when he did it at the table read, they simply decided they're just going to put it in and just risk offending people. I uh, read see- that and went, mm, okay. Yeah, oh, look, I actually think it's not a bad gag. It's not a, it's not an old timer, but it's not unfunny. And I mean, I wasn't in the room when clearly I wasn't in the room when Dan did his reading of it. But it's a pretty good reading of it. And I mean, it's so kind of innocuous as well that I don't know. It, I don't want to speak for our friends in the Native American community, but I think it's hard for them to sort of take offence at something so goofy. But at the same time. Well, the, the, yeah. the, like, a, but getting back to what my my what I said before, that it's problematic in the sense that Homer, like you said, no one rolls their eyes. It's just, oh yeah, Homer just walks in, essentially making fun of Indians without realizing he's doing it, and there's no repercussions. That's, yeah. I now guess, admit, I know that I know that's yeah. just television in 2000, but that's where it's an issue. They Homer needed to be told, no, 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 because the, the little kids watching need to be told this isn't acceptable. True. And then, but, you know, maybe they thought they were covering their, you know, <laughs> covering their butts with Lisa in the car beforehand saying, oh, I'm in two minds about this whole Indian casino thing. I mean, the revenue's good, but, you know, and of course, um, Homer and Bart have already taken off and, oh, okay, so you're coming, fine. Um, I, I, it's kind of lip service to a larger issue. I don't know, maybe we're getting way too deep about this. And I don't know, as I said, I, I'm not one who wants to, you know, dwell on... Uh, it definitely needs to be discussed, though, because there will be a lot of people who watch this episode now, see this moment, and just go, "Oh, jeepers, that's um, yeah, that's very, uh, you know, cringy." It's, it's, it's I, I cringed when I watched it, and yeah, Nicola watched, the- and Nicola, it was on the first time I watched it. Nicola was in the kitchen; she just went, "They seriously did Homer just seriously just do like make fun of Indians?" I was like, "Yeah, he kind of did," but I said, I tried to explain to her he wasn't making fun of Indians deliberately; he was just he's just a, a blithering, bumbling fool. But the, the hmm. problem is that kids watching don't realise he's doing it. They think he's they think him doing that's okay and that's that that's where the problem lies. 
But anyway. In all honesty, I probably cringe more at, uh, you know, blind... Rod and Todd. Blind, yeah, blind old man Smithers saying, there, thank you for not adding Rod and Todd, who, uh, you know, then present as the most stereotypical antique restoring cut-off jeans-wearing gay couple. They, they, they were channeling their inner <laughs> Freddie Mercury, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I must have been, I saw that and thought, that's not even sort of pleasantly quote-unquote excusably goofy like the indie, like the hey how are you gag it's just more kind of yeah that's just lazy <laughs> next question you there eating the paste trivia for this week all righty mr davis you kick off for us okay you mentioned um the i guess the park ranger at the very start of the episode mm. uh he was um warning the simpsons about the uh the mosquitoes and the bugs what did they eat the bugs as in his hand? Oh, no, 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 no. They, he tells them that they've... Oh, the bugs okay. are firmly charged. They've done this. They ate the whatever. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. What was it? They ate the comment book. Oh, that's right. Yes. The comment oh. book. Yes. <laughs> I. My first question is, where were they heading? Where were the mosquitoes? Oh, man. <laughs> Of course, I started paying attention at the bugs at Firmly in Charge. I did not uh, recall the name of where they were going. Please tell it me. It is Lava Lake. La- oh, of course, yeah. Okay, my next question. Uh, flash forward to the future. Um, mm. Bart goes over to um, uh, the old Simpson household where um, uh, Homer is chowing down on some soil and green, which now has added what? Human? <laughs> <laughs> it's all humans, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it it now has added girls on the box. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> the green now with added girls. What did Bart trade his amplifier for? Oh, oh. Mm, Now that I've sorted out that Charlie horse, um, let me answer this question. No, honestly, I can't remember. I do. I. I remember the joke, but I don't remember the it's, actual... Okay, clue. It's something you shouldn't smuggle into Bali. Oh. A boogie board. Oh, so a boogie board, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the name of Bart's band? Ah, oh, shit. I oh, we're stumping each it... other tonight. We're doing yeah, well. I didn't even pay attention. What was his band? It's Captain Bart and the Tequila Mockingbirds. Oh, okay, I did not even notice that. Okay, learn <laughs> something new every day. I remember. Um, I remember when the first time I saw the pun "Tequila Mockingbird." Um, I thought, "Not bad, it's pretty good." Give yourself a high five, whoever came up with that one. And but it, <laughs> it's a bit like uh, uh, what Smith says about the B sharps. It gets funnier. It gets less funny every time you say it. <laughs> Besides Gabo. Who else performed at the casino? Whose name was on the sign? Oh, oh, I didn't see that at all. Oh. Well, it's Carrot Scalp. For some reason in my mind, it was a clown of some kind, but Ca- I can't remember. But ca- Carrot Scalp. Carrot Scalp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds, sounds terrifying. <laughs> well, that's the, I don't know if that's a play on, well, I'm guessing it's a play on Carrot Top, the, the, the comedian, the stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah. Um, who did Lenny vote for in the presidential election? Oh, far out. Oh, I remember him saying it too. Uh, you've got nothing. I've got nothing this week. What is it? It's it's Chastity Bono. Chastity Bono, yep. Whenever I hear the name Chastity, I always think of Cece from The Nanny because her <laughs> name was Chastity Claire. Oh, was it? 
I know. I never yeah, knew were... C- uh, CC Babcock, right? Yeah, Sissy Babcock. So they, she marries Niles and he goes, and do you, Chastity Claire? And everyone's like, oh, Chastity Claire. It was like the big reveal of her name. Yeah. <laughs> so spoil, spoiler alert for the nanny. <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten that she married Niles. My next question is, what is Nelson's club called? Oh, was, was it the Crab Shack? Yeah, Nelson's Crab Shack. Well done. You got oh. a point. You win. Woohoo! Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they all the questions we're, uh, we're asking? Uh, well, I've got one more. Do you have one more? I've got one more. Go for it. Hit okay. me. The casino owner, the fortune teller, whoever it is at the uh, at the end, he offers Bart a coupon for what? Ooh, is it Crab Claws? Lost it is, the claws? Crab it claws? is indeed Crab Claws. Crab Claws, yes. One point for me. Now, you, if you can get this next question, Mr. Davis, you win this week's trivia, which means you are the greatest man of all time. Oh, well, it, I already knew this, but it's nice to have an actual sort of confirmation on your part. <laughs> <laughs> What was next door? I feel this is right in your wheelhouse. What was next door to the White House? Was it the Hustler Megastore or the Hustler Superstore? Correct. The Hustler Superstore. (laughs) That you remember. (laughs) Oh, that I remember. Well, I thought that might have been actually been a thing in 2000. Um, I think they were trying to, you know, it seems like they were trying to paint it as like, ooh, this tacky idiocracy style future. It's like, I'm pretty sure Hustler had megastores. Even back then. Well, the thing is, the thing is, when they all run off to Bill Clinton's porn stash, I watched it and I'm thinking, yeah, remember when like porn magazines were a thing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. Before we get into the current leaderboard and this week's winners, going to read out our incredible $20 patrons. Uh, just a reminder, guys. I don't Ooh. think we've announced this on the show just yet. We may have. May have done it last week. Can't quite remember. But $20 patrons now. If you are a $20 patron for three months or more, I personally will be sending you an officially licensed Simpsons Stonecutter ring. And these things are legit. They're valued at over $20 themselves, just by themselves. So basically, you're getting a free... Like if you are a $20 patron for three months, your third month's free, basically, because I'm giving you a free, officially licensed Simpsons Stonecutter ring delivered straight to your door from myself. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So $20 patrons, I've already sent out four this week, our men... Jordan Ritchie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zerr, and Christopher Darby. You can expect your rings at your doorstep any day now. All right, Dando, Dando, Dando. The COVID-19, but anyway. I'm sorry. You, 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 I've got to, I've got to uh, correct you right there. That's Jordan Moleman Ritchie to you. Oh, yeah. I didn't write Moleman this week. Jordan Moleman Ritchie. How could I forget? Oh. Our first ever $20 patron. Our, 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 our main man. Yeah, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zerr, Our Zer, main Moleman. Looking out for your main Moleman. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout-outs to our other $20 patrons, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Lukasiewicz, Matt Thompson, and Mark Burgess. So many, oh. uh, so many $20 patron guys. I can't explain how much your support means to us. Thank you so much. Once again, uh, shout-outs to Mark Boston Burgess, Matt Thompson, Noah Lukasiewicz, Ben Smith, Will Manthorpe, Chris Malion, Christopher Darby, Andrew Zur, Nick Barbaro, and Jordan Moleman Richie. Oh, Thank you so much. Keep it coming, good people, and you too can wear the bling bling stonecutter ring. That is correct. It rhymed. Well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout outs to our new $5 plus patrons. This one goes out to Tyler and uh, Zach the Ripper. Thank you so much for jumping on board, guys. Don't forget, Ooh. Patreon is for as low as $1. You can be a four-figure discount patron, get access to exclusive podcasts. Uh, for $2 plus, you get all the exclusive podcasts, plus you get the Facebook group, prize draws, and plenty, plenty more. There's uh, Talking Seinfeld, Tales of Futurama, 
uh, Take a Look at Mandalorian, The Guy and Dando Show. Uh, we're doing Simpsons audio commentaries. There's just so much on there. So, yeah, patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Or you can just continue to listen to the show for free. Having said that, if you would like to maybe get onto iTunes or one of those places and or just get on the internet in general and say, hey, you know what's good is that uh, four-finger discount show. You know, you know what's good. Alrighty, The current leaderboard for the new name sees Garode Harrahill on 17 points. It's going to be hard to knock him off at this point. I've got to say, Mr. Davis, because... Mm. There's only about six episodes left this season, and he is seven points ahead of second position, who is Andrew Parker on 10 points, and Jimmy Ferruja on eight points. In fourth position, there's three people. We've got D.L. Gorman, Alistair Danik, and Christopher Darby, all on seven points. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Mr. Davis, what have we got this week? Okay, let's start with uh, one point, and that's, this goes to Andy Gengler for uh, National Gengels. Tri- yeah, For the Gengels, the Gengs. Gingbusters. Um, it's National Treasure 4, Bill Clinton's porno stash. It was quite a stash, I must say. It was quite the stash, but then I think Bill is quite the horn dog. Well, the only thing keeping you from two points with there, Andy, was the fact that there is you jumped straight to National Treasure 4. We're all very sad that there is, in fact, no National Treasure 3 because, you know, watching Nicolas Cage say, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence, is, you know, who doesn't want to see more of that? Do you, I've never seen National Treasures. They're not, they're not bad. I mean, they're sort of, you know, Indiana Jones uh, knockoffs. They, uh, yeah. They, are, are they, uh, see, I always looked at them and thought they're going to be similar to kind of like um, Night at the Museum, that kind of family film. Is that right? Or are they more action-packed than that? They're a little more action-packed. Yeah, they're sort of, yeah, in the middle ground between Night at the Museum, hey, fun with history, and Rather the Lost Ark. Okay, cool. Now, did you have any notable mentions this week, or are we getting straight into the top three? We're getting straight into the top three. No notable mentions? Not this time around. Really? Don't take don't take it personally, uh, new name people. But uh, we're just going three, two, one this time around. Okay. Well, Andy Gangler, you get one point, which means you are now on four. Mm. Who gets two points? I know you're wondering. It's Alistair Danik. Ooh, Alistair Danik has worked his way up to third position on nine points. What has he got for us? He's working his way up to third, babe, with the Bart of the Deal. Now, a little, uh, a little, a uh, little, you know, backstory might be necessary. As mentioned, this uh, this episode alludes to President Trump um, and Trump's autobiography. Well, ghostwritten autobiography was called "The Art of the Deal." This episode has a lot of Bart in it. The Bart of the Deal. You know what's fun about a good joke? The one that you have to explain like that. But um, <laughs> Alistair did a very good job with it. He actually did provide a, a shot of the cover of The Art of the Deal. So good on you, Alistair. Two points to you, sir. But, oh, standing atop Mount Olympus this uh, time around, um, and not just uh, quality but quantity, it's D, 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 L, 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 Gorman. D.L. Gorman again. D.L. Gorman with... A few I feel, like, I feel like you have your favourites. That's the thing. I don't want to sort of come across like I'm, you know, uh, choosing just... Ba- no, I'm, I'm choosing based on the, uh, on, the, on the quality of the work, quality of the, uh, you know, quality of the wordplay, the puns, the what have you. What does, D- what does D.L. Gorman have for us this well, week? DML- now, he is now equaled second, by the way, Andrew, with Andrew Parker. D.L. had a few. D.L. had past, president and future. I think that's, that's very good. solid. He had the Doval office. Yes, mm-hmm. pretty good. But also, and I think this might have sealed the deal, back to the moocher. See, that's almost better than Bart to the future. I reckon it might be. 
Bart of the Future is not it. Not not. A, Bart of the Future is the, the the title this episode deserves. In all honesty, <laughs> yeah. The, the thing is, at least with Bart of the Future, you read that title and you know, okay, it's the one where they go in the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean. It, it, it's the home brand of titles. You know, it's like, but hmm, ooh, beans. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that was well worthy of being uh, in first position, worth the three points. They were great. I particularly liked the first one. What was it there? Past, president, Past and future. president, and future. Yes, well done. Well done, Dale Gorman. Well done, everyone who contributed this week to you do names. Unfortunately, there was no notable mentions, but don't. Don't worry. Next week, I'm sure Guy will uh, will put some together just for you guys list, uh, listening at home. Um, as we mentioned, if you want to be uh, in the Four Figure Discount Facebook group, just going to be a $2 plus patron to get access and you can banter with Guy, myself and all the other patrons in there on a daily basis. It is such a great little community we've worked in there. Um, your patreon.com slash four figure discount. Um, yeah, I love going in there. Everyone in there is so friendly. We're all there to support each other through this uh, this difficult period. And yeah, you're all absolute champions. Everyone listening to the show is champions. But yeah, yeah, particularly love chatting to all the patrons in the Facebook group. They are indeed. And please, guys, do not take it personally. Do not be discouraged. By all means, keep sending your new titles. Just because I wasn't necessarily inclined to do honorable mentions this time around, Next time around, it'll probably be all honourable mentions. I mean, this episode will probably go for an extra 20 minutes because I'll just be singing your praises so much. And it'll be no points, just all honourable mentions. Very much. Oh, yeah. That we want, it'll be participation ribbons all round. You're all winners. <laughs> the Coach's Award from Guy Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I got one Coach's Award once when I was playing football. It's the most demoralising thing you can get. Oh. It's like... You weren't really good enough to get an actual award, but I feel sorry for you, kid. Oh, so. <laughs> it's it's Bart holding the cake that says at least you tried. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, after this short break, guys, we'll be back with our review of uh, Bart to the Future. If you're a fan of old school Simpsons and let's be serious, we all are, then you're going to love our new Simpsons commentaries. That's right, Guy and I have gone all the way back to the beginning and recording our own commentaries for each episode. You can find these and a whole lot more by simply being a Four Finger Discount patron at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount, where on top of the hours of bonus ad-free podcasts, you also get access to the Four Finger Discount Facebook group, our monthly prize draws, and more. But don't worry, guys, we know times are very tough at the moment, so you just listening to us each and every week is also a massive help in keeping the show going. So once again, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support listening to us each week, and I hope you're all managing to stay safe and well. Cheers, guys. Okay, the episode originally aired March 19th in the year 2000. Chopper gag is non-flammable, is not a challenge, and the couch gag is the living room is now nightclub. They let everyone in except for Homer, who gets left out. I feel like that's uh, myself and yourself, Guy. It does. It it, it looks like a very circa 2000 sort of nightclub as well. I mean, you know, you know... Turn of the century beatniks doesn't look like they're actually sort of you know drinking. It looks like they're having cups of coffee more than anything else. It looks like that uh, that coffee house in So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't remember the last time I went to a nightclub. I think it was my friend's birthday, and they moved to Perth six years ago. So that's how long it's been. Oh golly, <laughs> nightclubs just aren't my scene, man. <laughs> but uh, but I'm sure there's some stories there with Guy Davis at nightclubs. We'll get to in another episode. But <sighs> the episode kicks off with um. There's not going to be a great deal to talk about, to be completely honest, but the, the episode kicks off with the family uh, on their way to um, the campground, but the scares have taken over, and uh, they are told they must turn around. Folks, you're going to want to turn around. The bugs are firmly in charge. What? 
please, just go. They've taken the visitor center. They they ate the comment book. All right, jeez. Ah, ah, hey, hey, my class ring. Oh, thanks a lot. I mean, the mosquitoes or whatever they are eating the hand of of the of the um the ranger returning the ring, I- eating the hand. That's not bad. See, to, to me, I, I looked at this, or I used to look at this kind of thing and just roll my eyes. I look at it now, I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, they decide to pull into the Indian casino. Um, this is just basically a way for them to be able to jump forward into the future. Marge is worried because she has a gambling problem. This was great. So, I did love this. So, Homer, he's obliviousness, so trying to encourage Marge at the casino. Are you sure you don't want to come in? Just the silent pause. Moves on to Lisa, <laughs> and then just bails on her with with uh, with Bart. They race inside. Bart, unfortunately, is not allowed into the casino. No miners allowed, and he says it's time. Or Homer says we must respect the ways of the Indian. No miners. Yeah, but I really want. Sorry, son. Although they seem strange to us, we must respect the ways of the Indian. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Now. I am not going to lie. I did not realize until I read a review on this episode. This is going to make me sound so fucking stupid that Homer was actually saying, hi, how are you? Oh, you thought he was just sort of... Hoo, 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 hoo. I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was just going, ho, hey, ho. And I was like, oh, dear God. I was like, but it's not as bad when you realize he's saying, hi, how are you? But my goodness, that's why my initial shock was like, oh, my. Yeah. So that's, I mean, one could be very generous uh, almost too generous, and say, "Oh, this is Homer trying to sort of like bridge the gap." You know, he's trying to be very friendly, and he's trying to do it in a way that's, you know, respectful to his hosts. He's like, um, you know, one could view it that way if one was feeling especially generous. But is taken out. He comes across Gabo. Did you notice on the truck it says "was seen on TV" as oh. opposed to "as"? <laughs> <laughs> Someone painted a, Although a W a, on there. I was a little traumatized by you know opening up Gabo's case and he's got one eye sort of. Um, he's, yeah, hanging out. And, <laughs> well, that yeah, rem- he's, 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 it's he's almost a, a throwback way. to when oh in the ga- in yeah, Krusty get cancelled. What what's the name of the um? The puppet that, uh, or the vent, or the ventriloquist dummy that uh, the Krusty uses. Oh shit! I don't know. I'll look it up. But continue. But, what's, what's your point? Oh, oh no. yeah, when he when he when he caves the head in. Yeah, caves the head in and it gets thrown into the audience, and it kind of look. Um, it looks it looks horrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite gags. All honesty. <laughs> but he kicks it into the crowd. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Alfonso. Alphonse. Oh, yeah. Is his name? Oh, that's because. How is a rating desk like a raven or something along those lines? I'd really love to know the answer to that riddle, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. You just remind me of that moment. That is great. We should go back and review some older episodes. Maybe there we should. Belters out there. Hmm. But um, but that's what the audio commentaries are for, aren't they, Mr. Davis? They but are indeed. It was Mr. just, Davis. I've got here, it was just nice to. um. to get a, a Gabo reference because he's just that, that forgotten hero from, from season four. The thing I never really understood, and I may have discussed this when we, Mitch and I reviewed um, Crusty Gets Cancelled, was when I was a kid, I used to think, is, is, is Gabo alive? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? Because the, the, this, this guy is just having a conversation with this dummy as if the dummy is not fake. It's like it's actually a real thing. I mean, as you get older, you realize it's just that the ventriloquist being a douchebag. But I'm just like, it, it's just weird that they say Gabo has a bad mouth. Like news reports like, Gabo is being taken off TV mm. when it's like, really, wouldn't the ventriloquist get, be getting blamed for it? Yeah, I know. It was just all very confusing for a child. And then in here, 
when um, Bart laughs when the when the ventriloquist is taking him away, he's like, "Quiet, Gabo." And I'm like, "So does this guy actually think his dummy's alive?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a long history of like you know ventriloquists who are you know a little unst- well, I mean stories about. Uh, fictional stories about ventriloquists who are, you know, sort of a little unbalanced and, you know, they channel all their most uh, evil or suppressed thoughts through the dummy and then the dummy ends up sort of taking over their personality. I don't know. That's always fun. <laughs> I think that's what happened to this dude. But uh, but Arthur Crandall, he's, um, when Bart bursts out during the set, uh, I did love here when, when Crandall makes a little gag, I think he says something about pining or whatever. I think Gabo, Gabo is pining to entertain you or something yeah. like that. And the crowd the crowd gives him, you know, just like a, a cheap laugh. Yeah. And he has this big grin on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> he's, he's so proud of himself. But then, yeah, Bart bursts out. And Arthur thinks that Gabo has turned into a real boy. Um, he gets thrown out, though. Bart gets thrown to the, um, the manager's office. Um, we get the conversation about the laundry bill soaring like eagle. And now Bart is now apparently collateral. Which is why he's in the uh, in the office because he sold. I think what well, put two mortgages on the house or something. Yeah, and and Marjo something like twenty grand. But this was basically just a way to to jump forward into the future. This is, and when you think about it, it's exactly the same way essentially as like Lisa. Lisa goes to see well, some. That, yeah, you know, that was the the gypsy lady, a fortune teller, the gypsy fortune teller at the Ren, at the Ren Fair or something. The Renaissance yeah, at Fair the, um, at the medieval yeah Renaissance Fair yeah medieval fair yeah. yeah, yeah. That's sorry. I am Renaissance man. Was like I ate eight different kinds of meat. I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and if that makes Homer a Renaissance man, that makes me a Renaissance man because there are there have certainly well, been days where I've eaten eight different kinds of meat. <laughs> That's one of my favorite endings of all time because it's just so sweet. But it's when Homer goes, I um you know I ate ten or ten pounds of fudge or whatever it was, and Lisa's like wow, and he's like then I rode the teacups and I got a little sick, but then I rode him again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such you, a sweet. It's a fantastic ending. I you like got to savor the little victories. So, you like to sneak into casinos? I wasn't gonna gamble. I just wanted a bloody mary. Listen to me. Unless you change your deceitful ways. I foresee a life of bitterness and failure for you, Bart Simpson. How'd you know my name? Your father just took out a second mortgage downstairs. You're listed as collateral. Oh, I thought maybe you were some kind of Indian mystic who could tell the future. Who says I'm not? If you want to see your future, throw a treasured personal item into the fire. Okay. Not a firecracker. Hey, I bought it from a guy on your reservation. That's crazy talk. No, it's true. No, I know. That's my brother, crazy talk. We're all a little worried about him. So Bart is now skipping into the future, 30 years into the future, and he's just, you know, uh, a couch potato, basically. He's just slumming on the couch. Um, I don't know. I, I just didn't like this version of Bart. I didn't like the fact that he's just become... I know he's like a little rebel and proud of it, a doctor troublemaker when he's a kid, but now he's sort of proud of being a dropkick. Yeah. Just like a moocher. And I'm like, yeah, I don't and know. And that's the thing. I'd, I'm partial to slackers because, you know, I could very easily slip into that lifestyle. I could very easily go full Lebowski. And, but yeah, this, but Bart as a, as a slacker, I don't know. Just, I mean, I don't, I don't mind if you're a slacker if you just sort of, you know, Adjust your lifestyle so you don't have to mooch off everyone all the time. Maybe you, you know, you're a little le- late with the rent occasionally. But um, yeah, having to sort of like, uh, yeah, but Ralph pays the rent and I have to go hit up the folks all the time. And and you know, um, yeah, poor old blind Flanders and stuff. It's like, uh, no, this this person's just a drag. <laughs> yeah, and the problem is that 
he's one of those slackers who blames everyone else but himself yes. for his troubles. That's the problem, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, he's living with Ralph, um, basically living off paychecks from lawsuits. What did he, he sued <laughs> someone for oversalted fries or something? Yeah, something along those lines. Ralph actually sort of grew up as a... <laughs> I, I don't know what I pictured grown-up Ralph to look like, but he sort of looks, I don't know, normal? Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, and, and so, like, why, why are you living... Neither of them, to me, came across like they were forty. But it's just like, what? Why are you living with Bart? Surely you can do better, Ralph. Like, I mean, <laughs> and have we ever said that anyway. about Ralph? I don't think we've ever yeah. said that. But you could do better. <laughs> we get the hologram from Nelson. He's offering him a gig at his club, and we get the whole smell you later, which is now replaced goodbye. That was funny in the yeah. sense that you think it's just Nelson being Nelson, but no, Nelson, <laughs> That's the new goodbye. <laughs> Grown-up Nelson or future Nelson reminded me of Biff. From like the later Back to the Future movies. Oh yeah, Back to the Future Two when he's got the casino. You're yeah. right. Yeah, even though even what he was wearing and everything, the hairdo. Hmm. Wonder if they're channeling that. Anyway, maybe. Um, he's going to be paid in popcorn shrimp, <laughs> and um, rather than money. So they decide they're going to take the the non hover bus because they've got no money to go see Homer and Marge and ask for some money to buy a new amplifier because Bart swapped it for a boogie board. Mm-hmm. Homer and Marge eating virtual fudge. Do you reckon we'll ever get to this point where you, you eat virtual food? I certainly hope not. I mean, I'm not enough of a, stu- a student of neuroscience or anything like that to, um, you know, expand on the fact that, you know, uh, the taste of things is basically electrical impulses in your brain. I may be completely wrong with that, by the way. So, you know, anyone who's more learned than, uh, than yours truly biomed chime in but yeah it may well be a stage where you know you you pop a pill or something and you know it reacts with certain i don't know body chemistry or whatever it's like ooh, it's like i'm eating a tasty steak like uh you know like cypher in the like like cypher in the matrix for instance you know like, uh, exactly yeah yeah i know this steak's not real and i know that it's just, this is probably where i'm getting that science from <laughs> From that scene in The Matrix where he goes, I know this isn't real, but it's, it's just my brain telling me that I'm eating a juicy steak. So there we go. I didn't need to go to school. I just need to watch The Matrix. <laughs> it's, it's funny because The Matrix was my year 10 English class. Oh, so my God. I did, it was called The Matrix and More. And for an entire semester, we just watched The Matrix films and wrote essays about them. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty rad. <laughs> I remember my first essay just being called Ignorance is Bliss. <laughs> um, but see, at least like it's crazy because we're, we're, we're well on the way to that because they can already make potato chips taste like a meat pie and sauce. True. Yes, and they like, can they even can, make... They, um, if, they can make, if they can make fucking potato taste like a meat pie and sauce, then we're well on the way to be able to create taste and then making our brains think that we're eating food, eating a particular food. Oh, well, bring it on. You know... <laughs> What's what's one flavor of potato chip you hope they can make? Oh, because I've been fairly happy with the ones that they've done so far. Uh, what about what about like um, brisket a brisket burger? Oh, maybe or um, like a tandoori chicken chip. I'm pretty sure there's been one, but yeah, that would also oh, okay. be delicious. But anyway, we'll throw it to the listeners. What do you guys think? What what would be your a particular flavor of uh, potato chip that you guys would yeah. appreciate? If, it's one thing I li- it, if Smith's worked on it. Yeah, it's one thing I like when I, when whenever you travel overseas, the way we used to back in the day. Um, but, you know, you go to Bali or to go to Europe or particularly America or whatever, and you sort of, I think we've said in previous episodes how it's good to just sort of browse an international supermarket or convenience store and everyone's like, oh, you've got like grape-flavoured popcorn or, you know, um, 
pork chop flavored chips or something along those lines. It's like, oh god, this is so much better than the five, you know, flavors of samboys that we've got here. Yeah. Ch- chicken, salt, and vinegar, and you know, occasionally <laughs> cheese and onion. Yeah, I think the most exotic we get is like sour cream and onion. Something along so those lines. light and tangy. Yeah, and I'm not dissing that because sour cream and onion is, in fact, the shit. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. But um, we get Homer here mentioning this being a bleak, horrible future. Don't you mean present? Yes, right. Present. <laughs> uh, I think every future episode has to have a gag along those lines. Yeah, pretty much. And then we get the reference to Solent Green, but asked for a loan, but he is certainly not getting it from, um, from Marge and Homer. Just because she's doing a little better than me. She's president of the United States. President-elect. I could have been president, but I'm too real. People can't deal with what I'm laying down. They're just like, whoa, dude, you can't say that. And I'm like, watch me. We're not giving you money. Oh, but I want some. You should have thought of that before you dropped out of the DeVry Institute. What happened to you, man? Used to be cool. I'm still cool. Nah, you've changed, man. Well, I do have this robotic prostate, but you can't see it. Oh, you can you mentioned earlier the whole "What happened to you, man?" Used to be cool. Now I'm not going to lie; it is funny when he says it to the to China. He's like, "China's still cool." That's yes. funny, but it's like you were saying it was like they were trying to go for an emotional beat there, but it just wasn't happening at all. Yeah. So um, so he goes to see Flanders. Flanders' eyes have fallen out, and you you feel sorry for for Flanders in a sense that Bart doesn't really not that he doesn't like the guy, but he's only going to him. When he's got his mooching sack. Yeah. I liked, I liked mooching sack. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I'd love to go. I mean, wouldn't it be great to just carry around a mooching sack? And people. And like well, I do carry that up. around. It's called my pockets. <laughs> um, and we get the, uh, the troublesome hasn't outed Rod and Todd reference. We're now at Nelson's Crab Shack. Did you notice that they brought the parrot from their living room as like a prop for the stage? No. <laughs> So, yeah, so on my second viewing, I realised that the parrot that sits in the middle of the stage was in the corner of their living room in the first scene. <laughs> but I did notice that uh, most of the crew from Moe's had ended up there. I mean, you saw Barney and I think you saw elderly Lenny and Carl still hanging out. You're right too, yeah. Then they were at Moe's a little bit later. One thing I did notice is that in Lisa's wedding, because this is meant to be a companion piece to Lisa's wedding, like what happened after that. So, Moe had an eye patch in that episode and he didn't have an eye patch here. Hmm. So, I want to know... What happened? Did he get Flanders' eyes? What happened? Did some, <laughs> or more likely, did someone just drop the ball in the continuity department? <laughs> Who can tell? <laughs> Bart and Ralph have been evicted. Mm. Bart's disappointed because he had half a beer in there, and it's a Bewitch marathon on. <laughs> Bewitch, Bewitch is one of those shows I used to really enjoy as a kid. I don't think I've watched an episode in at least fifteen years. Was it Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie that had the husband changeover, like after season one? That was Bewitched, where they, yeah, swapped out. That errors. was Bewitched. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the wiggle your nose one, right? That's Bewitched? That is correct. Was it, I, okay, cool, yeah. That's the one, because it was either, because I Dream of Jeannie used to be on as well, but one of them I didn't like, and I liked the wiggle the nose one, so it's Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing. I mean, you know, there's the constant, hey, hey, man, are you a, a, a Beatles or a Stones guy? Or are you something, something, whatever? Yeah, and I think you could actually, uh, I think you could uh, generate a pretty uh, significant psychological profile from someone by asking, "Hey, you, bewitched or I dream of genie?" At which point, most people would probably say, "I didn't watch either." You know, <laughs> I'm 20, I'm twenty <laughs> years old. Go away. <laughs> who who are you? Why are you following me? <laughs> <laughs> Take that onion off your belt, old man. But um, but. 
I think you're right. I mean, I, I was certainly more a bewitched person than an I Dream of Genie person. I mean, even yeah. though the shows strike me as relatively similar, you think you'd be able to enjoy both. But um, no, it's generally one or the other. Ralph Storm's out. He's had enough. He's not going to be a part of this anymore. Smell you later forever. Um, and you think Bart is about to kill himself, but no, he's just uh, tuning into the, the brain news where we get a news report on Lisa moving into the White House. And this gives Bart the idea, I'm going to go mooch off my sister, who is now the president. Indeed. Ken Brockman um, aging well, by the way. Ken Brockman... Yeah, so a few, a few characters have aged well. Willie had aged well as well when he was trying to get the... Um, the shield to work on the stage. All he's got is just a couple of wrinkles under his eyes. Otherwise, he looks the same. Yeah. He's, he's pickled from all that whiskey. Was he a drink? <laughs> he's a drinker, Willie, I'm assuming. He's a big drinker. Yeah. A big drinker, our Scotsman, yes. <laughs> um, we come back from commercial. Bart does the quick recap in case people are just tuning in. He looks into the fire once again. Uh, he's arriving at the White House and Lisa is doing a press conference. She is apparently the first straight female president. <laughs> but then we get the infamous... Uh, Trump gag, which was simply just meant to be a what's a worst case scenario thing, <laughs> which became <laughs> not a, not a, a cautionary tale. <laughs> As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. Milhouse is the uh, the Secretary of State, um, but unfortunately, Trump has left the USA broke um, because they invested in the nation's children. That was very silly of them, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yes, <laughs> never invest in the future. <laughs> yes, Whitney Houston lied to us. The children are not our future. No, they certainly are not. But bursts in, gets tackled by the Secret Service. Now, we get here a shot of Lisa from front on. And normally the characters look really, really weird front on, but I didn't mind this show. It was similar to last week. I think it was Carl looked at the camera. Yeah, yeah Carl. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like they've, they've worked it out. They've worked out how to draw the Simpsons front on without scaring the viewer. <laughs> So, Barr suggests that maybe I could be co-president, which is not going to go down well at all. <laughs> and we get the, the family all eating dinner. Lisa's not there yet. She walks in with the marching band. This was great. That just was. trying to work out things to cut from the budget. They back away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but you never see a gig, though. Your gig was to just be the, the, the entrance marching band for the president. Do you have a song that would be your sort of entry song? Like, any time you entered a room that, you know, that would it'd be your sort of like your wrestling theme song? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I just, that song fucking got me pumping. Like, if I enter, I want to enter a room and put everyone into a good mood, that was it. It's a good choice. That's a good choice. What about you? What about yourself? Uh, mine would be the opening riff of 20th Century Boy by T Rex. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> see, Matt Crute, Matt Crute, friend of ours from pop culture, you know Matt very well. He's been playing um, T Rex quite a bit on vinyl in the, in the office oh. lately. And, oh, very good. That 20th century boy, that opening riff, holy Christmas, is that a fucking great intro. <laughs> oh, that, I'm sorry. This is not going to be of interest to anyone listening, although maybe it is. But we've talked about, uh, or we, we gave props to Heatwave in the past, a little-known funk band from mm. the 70s. Uh, when I recently went, went on mini-break with the lovely Louise and her kids, um, we had a you know 70s, 80s playlist um, going in the car while we were driving to Phillip Island, and... Uh, Heatwave came on and I forgot there were young children in the back. I said, holy shit, Heatwave. <laughs> luckily, luckily, the kids are used to swearing. But they were more like, who's Heatwave? I'm like, nobody knows them. And then I sort of told the story about pop culture. How we used to, we had the album there as a bit of a gag and, you know, sort of used to rank on this um, very cheesy looking uh, record cover from the, from the mid-70s. And then one day we actually played it and it turned out to be dope music. 
it was fucking great. <laughs> it was like, n- n- not even like ironic great. It was, no, we legitimately enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to the point where now, if the office, you know, if we're on a bad mood, we go, Heatwave? Let's do it. <laughs> like, like Heatwave is what gets the mood going. If, seriously, guys, if you have not checked out Heatwave, but it was one particular album. I don't know whether Matt had like their best of or whatever, but mm. yeah, Heatwave. Anyway, incredible. Yes, I'm going to um, um, I'm going to put a YouTube clip of Heatwave up on the Four Finger Discount patrons page tonight. It. For sure. Alrighty. So, um, what's happened? Yeah, so at least he's walked in. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we, get, we, get, we get the Maggie gag and Homer wants to find Lincoln's gold. So, that's just a myth. That's you know it's always been going around that Lincoln buried gold somewhere, buried treasure somewhere. No one's ever found it. Bart has sent the helicopter, the presidential helicopter, to go get Ralph. And this is where he says it again. You used to be cool, man. It's just like, well, but it was a great return though. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lisa is about to uh, give her speech to 100 million people across the nation. Oh no, actually, is it? No, Bart. No, Lisa's giving a speech, and Bart interferes with the frisbee at this point. He gets shot by the Secret Service. Uh, Lisa says maybe she should go apply for a job and I love here how it turns around to Bart now suing his employer to be <laughs> Homer is now digging holes in the floor of the White House looking for gold and it, just, it ends exactly how you thought it was going to be smashing a hole through the floor it's just it's just your classic gag it happens quite a bit if I'm going to bail the country out I'll have to raise taxes but in my speech I'd like to avoid calling it a painful emergency tax what about colossal salary grab? See, that has the same problem. We need to soften the blow. Well, if you just want to out-and-out lie... Okay, we could call it a temporary refund adjustment. I love it. Really? What else do you love, Lisa? Fiscal solvency. Oh, yeah, me too. M- Millhouse here comes through with the goods. The temporary refund adjustment. It's It's a... It's a good buzzword. Milhouse looks very sort of... He, distinguished. He looks like... He, well, <laughs> as distinguished as Milhouse can get. He looks He looks very bureaucratic with his... Has he, he got the turtleneck on and the, you know, the, well, he looks, the bald head he looks but, like the, he, but the big sideburns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got the John Lithgow look. But he, um, he certainly looks like he belongs there. He does, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he looks like the low man on the totem pole in the West Wing. You know, he yeah. someone someone that uh, what was Bradley Whitford's character name? Um, Josh. 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 Yeah, he looks like someone Josh Lyman would sort of boss around, but then <laughs> you know, and always make fun but, of. But, but then when the chips were down, and someone you know, you know, some lousy Republican would say that dork Millhouse, that's when Josh would sort of step in and say that that dork is the best staff we've got in the West Wing. <laughs> Exactly and, then, and then you'd sort of have a, a close-up of Milhouse and like a single tear, you know, in gratitude. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Just doing Sorkin's job for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, when I was watching that show, it took me about a season and a half. I turned to Nicola and I went, why are they always walking around? <laughs> oh, the whole walking talks, yeah. Oh, they, it's just Sorkin always walking and talking. Sorkin, walking and talking. That's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Bart, where, where are we up to? Oh, yeah, so they're, they're about to get ready for the... Um, this is where she's talking to 100 million people doing um uh, address to the nation. And Bart asks her, can you play my demo tape? It's like, Bart, mate, you're 40 years old. She's about to do a presidential you know, address to the nation, the State of the Union, basically, and you... Uh, asking to play your demo tape, hold the button down because the play button doesn't the play button doesn't work properly. Um, he interferes with the uh, with the with the speech, and it's just like it's as he said at the start. 
It's hard to like Bart. It's it like is. She's the, she's the fucking president, mate. She's your sister. What are you doing? Yes, don't be a dick. Plus, you know, we're, we're in the future. Uh, you've got hologram uh, phone calls. You've got news you beam directly into your brain with a ray gun. And Bart's still using tapes. Not even cool vinyl. But, you know, dorky old cassette. Or actually, maybe, you know, retro has sort of gone so far, you know, <laughs> has gone so awry that tapes are now cool again. I don't know. That's actually um, that's actually something I didn't really realise, but that's that's actually quite clever in a sense that Bart, the character, you know, so out of touch and such mm. a, a clinging to the past, basically, that, you know, he still would carry around his old tape deck from his childhood. Well, well that was wholly my intention in bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't really. But, uh, yeah, so he gets choked. We come back from commercial. The president is having a meeting. Working out how they're going to recover from this um, because now everyone's, you know, cracked the shits of Lisa because Bart, well, basically Bart blows, blows the whistle, you know, mentions that the tape yeah. tight. Yeah. Um, Lisa suggests they invite all their creditor nations over and Kearney here. So Kearney's in the Secret Service. Perfect gig for Kearney, really. I and thought every, every, every Kearney person gets great. three kills. You know, he he's, did. You know, he's shaved the head right down. He's got the cool shades on and, you know, he's dropping the knowledge about, you know, you get three free murders, <laughs> which... I'm sorry, I'm, you, I'm, I'm skipping way ahead. But no, I like Kearney in the Secret Service. I thought, I thought it looked great. One hundred percent, yeah. Um, Bart interrupts again, Kearney with the with the needle. <laughs> no, 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 put it away. Now she has dubbed Bart the Secretary of Keeping It Real, and she sends him to Camp David with a few of his friends to uh, to write up an, like a, an essay on how to keep it real. Man, Krusty. I know this is the way he looks in Lisa's wedding, but boy, time has not been kind to Krusty. No. At all. <laughs> He looks rough. Um, who else was there? I didn't really pay too much attention. I know Ralph was there and a few others, um, but they aren't paying attention. They're just going to um, go check out Bill Clinton's porno stash. At least here, I know Bart's too stupid to realize it, but at least he is trying to put in an effort yes. for the essay for keeping it real for Lisa because you know Lisa's assigned me this job. I've got to I've got to do it for her. But it's just like I don't know. It's not enough to sort of recover from the fact that you interfered with her address to the nation so that you could play your shitty song. Anyway. It's, it's too little too late, Bart. Yes. Yeah, basically. Um, Bart is uh, he's taking his coolness report very seriously, though, and then we get Billy Carter's ghost. That was Billy Carter was a thing. I mean, well, no, he's an actual person, but, you know, his whole sort of goofiness and, you know, his southern fried dipshittery sort of running counter to Jimmy Carter back in the back in the 70s. Uh, yeah, it was a real thing. I mean, and Bill Clinton had his brother Roger, who you know was, yeah, again, sort of like Bart in this. I mean, I, I don't know if Bill ever tried to sort of put Roger in any sort of like official positions or anything like that. But Roger certainly cashed in on the Clinton name and the Clinton presidency. You know, I think he appeared in a few like B movies or something, and maybe advertised shit. And I mean, you know. Bill Clinton was kind of like, oh, well, what are you going to do? He's your, he's your brother. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there have been a few presidents who have had, and, and, you know, a few heads of state all over the place who have, you know, had black sheep relatives. Um, a, a situation, you know, exploited to comic effect in the Chris Farley David Speed movie Black Sheep. Um, <laughs> so, have, yeah. have, have, have you ever felt like the black sheep? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't even have to hesitate on that one. Um, no, no, okay, not in the in the Billy Carter, Roger Clinton kind of way, but I mean, 
and you know, not wishing to sort of break out the violins or anything like that, but yeah, we've talked about how my old man was a, a sportsman and you know, quite uh, quite good at it. And I was, yeah, it wasn't not. bad. He <laughs> was all right. Um, <laughs> Dad was a very good footballer, and you know, I was you know, you know, kind of short and slight and enthusiastic, but you know, not exactly skillful or strong or anything like that. And, but know. but but could your dad name the supporting cast of Jaws three? That's the question. Off the top of his head, probably not. So, you know, advantage guy. <laughs> <laughs> have you, I don't know, have you ever felt black sheep in the Dando family? I felt like I was adopted a few times. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. I just, I was just, I was just like, I have nothing in common with these people. But, but that's just part of being a teenager, I think. <laughs> oh, if you, were, if you were a teenager when you were feeling that, yeah, that's, that's wholly understandable. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, Billy sneaks in the the ad for the casino, or the the who is the the manager of the casino? Do we get his name? I can't quite remember. But he sneaks in the casino ad. Homer has finally found Lincoln's gold, and it's basically no money. But in the heart of it's in the heart of every freedom loving American. And Homer's just like, nah, I ain't having this. This is bullshit. <laughs> uh, leader, uh, the leaders aren't happy with Lisa at all. They want their money now. And Bart says, you know, let me handle this. I, for once, I can actually help you here, Lisa. Guys, the thing is, we totally have the money, and we tried to wire it to you, but you know how banks screw up. I do not understand. We tried to call you all day Saturday. We were there Saturday. Dude, I know. I left a message with some guy named Hans. Hans? He might have been a temp. Very surly. We have had a lot of turnover. You pay now! Now! What happened to you, China? You used to be cool. Hey, China's still cool. You pay later. Later. It's probably racist, but uh, no, nah, probably not. <laughs> I think uh, I, th- I think chi- that you can get away with. <laughs> China's still cool. You pay. You pay later. I. It's. I don't know who acted that. It's probably Hank. He does all those characters. But um, yeah, yeah I got a great kick out of that. China's still well, cool. I think Hank. I think Hank is also voicing the casino boss. I think. I think Hank's the sort of the go-to guy for various uh, quote-unquote ethnic accents. See, it's um. That line is something that has stuck with me, but I honest to God could not have told you what episode it came from. So when I heard it here, I was like, ah, now I can finally go and find this scene. <laughs> You're talking about China's still cool. <laughs> yeah, China's still cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, they're not exactly being subtle with the uh, with the stereotypes of the various nations around the world. I mean, it's like, you know, Germany's a bit kind of and by the book and all that. And what well, England sort of says, <laughs> England's basically the... I think it's a cast member of Do Shut Up is the, is the head yeah. of <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. It's like, yeah, let's bash your brains in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're equal opportunity offenders this, t- this time around. Oh, 100%. They, they make fun of America more than any other country. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, I say, Dando's still cool. Like, I say it all the time. Like, I actually quote this quite mm. a bit. So at least this episode gave us one thing and it was that line. It was yes. that quote. <laughs> um, Lisa says to Bart, how can I ever, you know, repay you for this? And he says, legalize it. What do you think he was asking to legalise, Mr. Davis? Oh, um, gay marriage? You would hope so, just so purely for Rod and Todd. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Certainly not marijuana. Not, uh, I'm just thinking, not for each other, though, because that would be weird. But, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, don't, I certainly don't think Bart wants uh, marijuana legalised or anything like that. Bart questions uh, why he's, uh, his vision had a side story. You mentioned it earlier. Um, the spirits thought the main vision was kind of thin. These kind of gags work occasionally here. The problem is here is that it's true. I mean, <laughs> that's why it's just like, eh, it was kind of thin. At least yeah. last week when they made fun of the ending, how it doesn't make sense that Moe's face went back to normal. It 
you could accept it because the episode was great. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, I can forgive him for it. I, I don't really care. This episode has entertained me enough for the point to the point where I'm just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Mm. But here I'm just like, you're damn right the fucking story was thin. <laughs> sort your shit out. <laughs> um, Bart says he'll now do his best to be good going forward. Gives him an expired coupon. Lisa then collects him, says we've got to go. Homer's pushed the waitress and mum has lost $20,000 and Lisa says... um. Anything exciting happened to me in, in your vision in 30 years? And he says, you just got some government job. Yes. So, yeah. It's almost like it was trying to be Lisa's wedding with the way it was set up and the way it was structured. But, man, did it just not hit the same note. It did not. It did not. And, uh, yeah, just a uh, not even – I mean – Look, I didn't mind the whole eh, some government job. It's not a it's not a bad joke. It's not a great joke, but I mean, it's a stab at a kind of sophisticated bit of humour or whatever. But yeah, just it's too little. Again, too little, too late. And it's not even the final bit of the episode because you get a little moochie moochie over the Gracie. Uh, <laughs> Do we really? I, I went through to the Gracie and I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard about say moochie moochie, which. I don't know, were they trying to sort of do a bit of a riff on Kevin Smith's snoochie boochies? I don't know. I must have missed that. That shows how much attention I was paying by the end of this episode. <laughs> the the exact warranted amount of attention. But yeah, overall, this is probably an episode that I will not revisit for a while. I remembered enjoying it more than what I did. Maybe when I was younger, I found more of it funnier. Maybe because I, I was able to watch Homer dancing and when he walked into the casino and just find that funny and not think about the other elements to it, what's behind it. But yeah, watching this as an, as an adult now and the way society has changed over the last five to ten years, there was just a couple of moments where it just left me a little bit troubled. I was like, eh, I don't know whether this I enjoy The Simpsons doing this. But again, it was the year 2000. It was a very different time. In saying that, regardless of those moments, the story just wasn't that great. It was pretty, pretty dull. Um, you'd think The Simpsons taking over the White House would have so much more comedy involved, yeah. but there just wasn't. Yes, if I was offended by anything, it wasn't so much uh, insensitivity or stereotyping. It was just a bit of laziness on the part of the creative team this time around. Yeah, and I wasn't offended. At no point was I offended watching any of this. And I mean, it's not my place to be offended by what happened. But it's a case of I just sort of watched it and went, "Uh, you kind of did that lazily. You know, like the whole Rod and Todd thing. It's just like, oh, okay, you're just basically making fun of homosexuals okay. but anyway what did we learn palmer what did you learn from this episode mr davis because what i learned was that uh i do miss a good old-fashioned tv marathon because we don't have many more because everything is streamed on demand remember when they would say you know for the next two weeks for, for, for me anyway it was a simpsons marathon on fox 8 or for the next you know all weekend it's a seinfeld marathon or it's a a, a Frasier marathon or something mm. and to 10-year-old Dando, that was a fucking event. I looked forward to it all week at school. It was something where I would get, I would make sure dad would take me to the supermarket and I'd use my pocket money and I'd buy five three-hour tapes oh. and I'd put them on EP, extended play, and get fucking nine hours out of those tapes instead of three hours and I would tape the shit out of those marathons and cut out all the ads and I just I just loved I loved the, the event of a marathon, which we just, kids now like Elliot will never get to truly appreciate a marathon. Like a TV viewing marathon. Well, certainly not one that occur- that occurs organically. I mean... Where everyone's watching it at the same time. You know yeah. what I mean? Because now, we, you know, we might stream a whole season of a show over the weekend. That's essentially a marathon. But I mean, you know, 
this Sunday or this Friday from, you know, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. on Monday, it's going to be nothing but The Simpsons on Fox 8. And you're like, kids at school like, fuck, yeah, let's go home and watch it or whatever. Mm. And like everyone's watching this marathon at the same time. To me, anyway, growing up, that was a big deal. I don't know what that says about me, but I really looked forward to marathons. Oh, no, marathons are rad. You know, I mean, or, you know, when, uh, you know, they would show like three of the Planet of the Apes sequels like back to back or something. Like, oh, mm. my God, all apes, all afternoon or all evening or whatever. Yeah, and you you would sort of make a an event out of it. You know, you'd you'd get your favourite snacks or whatever, and you know you'd you'd get your you know security blanket or what? Not your security blanket, but your favourite blanket. So you know you'd be comfortable in your chair and your oh. comfort food and whatever. Yeah, and oh, like yeah. they still they still do it now, like on Christmas Eve or whatever. They might play all Christmas movies, and it's like I've got this movie on Blu-ray or I've got this movie on my Plex stream. I can watch this whenever I feel like it. But I'm going to sit here right now. It's Christmas Eve. And I'm going to watch the shit out of this Christmas movie marathon. Absolutely, yes. I I too miss a uh, miss a good marathon, but uh, yeah, but you know. We've got everything uh, at our fingertips, so to speak, or you know, close by. So you know, create your own marathon if uh, if you if you miss it so much. That's actually a good question for the listeners, guy. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to throw this out to you guys listening. So I want you to mail in mailbag at fourfigurediscount.com.au. Send in your ideal Simpsons ten episode playlist. Ooh. And in which in which order do these episodes air? Yes, so or, you're order air- is very important. Yeah, yes, one hundred percent. So these are going to be airing from seven pm till midnight on a Friday night. It's nineteen ninety eight, and you can get to pick any ten episodes of The Simpsons that have aired up until that point. So the first eight, we'll say for the first nine seasons, right? Actually, no, fuck it. Pretend that every episode of The Simpsons had aired up until that point. Tell me your ideal when The Simpsons are at their peak. You're ten years old. The 10 episodes of The Simpsons from 7 p.m. to 12 uh, p.m. at night, 12 a.m. at night, midnight, in which order do they air as well? I want to know, what is your perfect Simpsons 10-episode marathon? That's a very good uh, very good question to pose to the uh, to the listeners. Well done, Dando. I, I'm, I'm eager to see what people come up with. Maybe we'll, um, we'll post that in the, in the Facebook group as well. Keep, our, keep the answers in there. And then, um, yeah, if you're listening and you're not a patron, that's fine. Send in mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. want to hear from all of you guys. What is your ideal 10-episode Simpsons marathon? Can't wait to hear it. It's the patron mailbag time. Yes, it is the patron mailbag for another week here on Four Finger Discount. Mr. Davis... Shall I ask you some questions? You, do you feel like you're ready to, to answer some hard-hitting questions from the patrons this week? I, I am ready to be interrogated. So di- reach deep into that bag and pull out something uh, pull out something probing. I've reached to the top of the bag. First question from the top of the post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay, it's from Henrik Winterland, our man Henrik. Uh, he says, if you had to replace goodbye or any other similar phrase, what would you choose instead? Oh, I find myself saying adios a lot. Adios. I say ta-ta. Adios. I, I, actually, what I do is I say ta-ta and farewell, which is that um, that uh, <laughs> Democracy Manifest guy. You know that video? The guy getting arrested. Which one's that? that? Yeah, you haven't seen oh. De- Democracy Manifest, man? The guy getting arrested from the Chinese restaurant? Is that the, su- is that the succulent Chinese the meal succulent guy? The succulent Chinese meal guy, yeah. As he's, <laughs> right at the very end, as he's getting put into the, into the police car, he's like, ta-ta and farewell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've, I've never actually seen that. Far. I think I've only ever seen like the just the bit where he talks about succulent Chinese meal. Oh, um, you just watch the whole video. It goes for like a minute at most. It's great. But yeah, I say ta-ta and farewell quite a bit. Um, yeah. I do adios a bit. And 
and something that makes me sort of like, yes, much sort of older and stuffy or whatever. I did to say cheerio a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Cheerio. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pleasant, isn't it, cheerio? It's nice. It, it, yeah, it shows that you are... <laughs> that you care about the person you like that, that you're person. Uh, bidding yeah. farewell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheerio. <laughs> All righty, next question. If This is from Sean Devey. He says, if you were in a bar in the White House... Whose ghost would you want serving your beer and offering advice? Ooh. Um, was, well, let's, I mean, was Tom Cruise in like Cocktail to- good at giving advice or was he just a good barman? <laughs> I don't think he was that good at advice. He was good at flipping bottles. Are we talking about like a president, a, a, a ghost president behind the bar serving you? It doesn't have to be, it, it could be anybody. It doesn't have to be dead either. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, no. Oh, so, oh sorry. It says ghost. Yeah, it's got to be dead then. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> if it's in the White House, I'm assuming like it's going to be a, a ghostly president or something on those lines. At which point, I'd probably say like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who you know came up with the New Deal and all that cool stuff. Um, I feel like Link- I feel like Lincoln has some pretty sweet stories. He seems like a very, I don't know, he feels like the kind of president that I would want to converse with. JFK too. <laughs> JFK seemed like he, uh, you know, JFK seemed like a party dude. Yeah, well, yeah. Not, I, is- if, I feel like he would know how to pour a beer. <laughs> Yes, and but I think he would keep the party sort of. I think it would be entertaining, but also kind of semi-sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I think a Bill Clinton party would sort of <laughs> eventually get a bit sort of rowdy and down and dirty. Um, Lincoln seems like well, I don't know. I'm going wholly by the Steven Spielberg movie Lincoln, um, in, in, in which Lincoln came across as I don't know a sensible guy, but also someone with a I don't know a nice subtle sense of humour. So I think he'd be a good sort of drinking partner. But if I wanted advice. I think probably, if I wanted practical sort of dad life advice, probably FDR, Franklin Delano mm-hmm. Roosevelt. Yeah. If I wanted manly, you know, take the bull by the horns advice, Teddy Roosevelt. It, see, the thing is, though, if you go JFK, there's a chance that Marilyn Monroe might follow him. That's a very good point, actually, yes. <laughs> well, you would not be short of a ghostly female company at the White House <laughs> bar, whether it was Marilyn or any of the many other women that JFK supposedly had a bit of time for. <laughs> uh, Brandon Twitchell says, what is one thing the Simpsons predicted that you wish they had that had not come true? You mean aside from the obvious in this episode? Yeah. <laughs> um, what what are some of the other things that they predicted? I mean, off the top of your head, I'm trying. I'm sort of racking my brain to think of uh, uh, some some of the ones that are bad. I mean, people say they predicted Ebola and coronavirus. They didn't. It existed beforehand. But there's just that picture yeah. of the curious George fights Ebola or something. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, they predicted it!" <laughs> um, oh, Osaka flu with uh, Godzilla yes. with the uh, sort of the ice pack on his head. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your favorite screenshots, is it not? It is. I mean, I think I've probably used that as like a, a Facebook um, profile picture when I'm not feeling all that great. <laughs> I think he used it in the group as well, actually. Um, <laughs> they, there's actually a screenshot, and I mean, this is just ridiculous, but there's actually a, a shot of um, the Twin Towers, and it's like, I think it's the city of New York versus Homer Simpson. It's like $9 bus fares to New York, and the nine appears right in front of the Twin Towers, making it look like 911. Oh. So, what, you've got various... Uh, Fans who have got too much time on their hands saying, mm, "Yes, the Simpsons predicted nine one one. Apparently, one line that does sort of come to mind is that um, I think Mud is it Mud said, oh, Fox turned into a hardcore sex network.' So <laughs> gradually, I barely even noticed. Now, Fox hasn't actually done that, but honestly, I mean, you—I forget when that episode actually aired. It was probably sometime in the 
early to mid 90s or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was mid to late 90s, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was maybe from late 90s, but definitely in the 2000s onwards, that things like um, certainly pay TV like HBO, uh, you know, things started to get you know, pretty raunchy. It's like, well, like ga- they probably- ga- Game of Thrones, you're watching your brother and sister have sex. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean... It's, not, yeah, not legitimately, shock- but, you know, in the show. <laughs> no, no, but chock-a-block nudity, a lot of hardcore violence. I mean, yeah, you're basically... It, it's basically... Um, oh, God. Sorry, I'm completely blanking out. The, Troy McClure. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's that, uh, it, it's that thing of Troy McClure saying, hardcore nudity. That's <laughs> It's like 30 years ago, could you have ever imagined that you'd be seeing full frontal nudity on television? Outside H- uh, outside uh, SBS, no. Yeah, um, SBS, for our- that was your home for full frontal nudity, wasn't it, when you were a kid? For, for our, yeah. I don't know if our overseas listeners are up to speed with SBS, but it's uh, a bit like PBS, but it's a, a government-run uh, television station. I think it was called the Special Broadcasting Service. We sort of cheekily nicknamed it the Subtitled Broadcasting Service because it was a lot of international stuff. Yeah, world movies really, and stuff, yeah. Australia's a multicultural country and this was designed to cater to um, the various uh, cultures that made Australia home. And the other thing they did was they would show basically uncut European art movies. So basically it was uh, boobs and pubes all around. <laughs> it was basically Dando would always try and sneak, I'm talking about like eight, nine-year-old Dando, Try and find erotic tales. Do you remember that show, Erotic Tales? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was like I was always trying to find that in SBS. <laughs> I think well, it was like just Saturday out. night, like ten thirty or something. And final question here: oh, We've got a couple here from George Catherine, Georgia Catherine, one of our long-time listeners, the, our resident lawyer. I haven't even remember Ooh. what she said. What did she say? She says, uh, "She says, guy, you're sued." <laughs> <laughs> for making those disgusting comments. <laughs> Mine is somewhat similar to the. Above. So she says, um, so Alora Rush wrote first originally, when you first watched this episode, what did you imagine your future would be like? And then Georgia says, thinking back, what's something you thought you'd achieve, whether it be job, lifestyle, being an adult, just generally that now as an adult, you're like, oh my God, no, you fool. That would never happen. I can't honestly think of that many. I mean, either I've been very sort of fortunate in a lot of, <laughs> I was either very fortunate in that uh, a lot of my ambitions sort of came to fruition. Or you set your goals very low. <laughs> or I set my goals extremely low and sort of like, I set the bar real low and was like, oh, cross it. Yeah, good for me. Um, I mean, I, I always, want to get a job. Yeah, no, period. I mean, I always wanted to sort of write for a living and, and you know, I basically did that for, and for yeah, a good long time, for, you know, a, a good couple of decades. It's um, funny because when I was younger, I, you know, I was obsessed with The Simpsons and throughout my teenage years still loved The Simpsons and I was just known as The Simpsons guy and my friends and, and my, like my family just knew me as... Any time they saw something about The Simpsons, they'd be like, oh, Brendan, tell Brendan about it. And yeah. I used to always say to them, you know, one day I'm going to make a, make a living out of, out of this show somehow. Somehow I'm going to make a living from The Simpsons. And whilst I'm not making a living, I still consider myself incredibly lucky that I'm able to somewhat, you know, help put food on the table because of these beloved patrons that we have from Ooh. talking about The Simpsons. Like, it's just... it's I'm just... I count my lucky stars every day. It's just so amazing. So, there we go. You're listening to a podcast uh, hosted by a couple of very fortunate fellas. Yes, that is exactly right. But, um, yes, that is the mailbag for this week. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Next week, Mr. Davis, we're going to be reviewing an episode called Doze, uh, Days of Wine and Dozes. So, it's the one where Barney comes clean. Oh, He gives up the alcohol. Have you have you actually ever se- have you seen this episode? I'm pretty sure I would have back in the day. This does sound familiar. Yeah. 
but I am looking forward to revisiting it and uh, casting a key eye over it, a more mature eye, over, uh, more mature eye over it. One might say. I mean, I'm not actually doing Dry July this year. Is anyone doing Dry July this year? But um, it's a bit yeah. hard when um when you need alcohol to get you through the day every day, <laughs> every single day. Indeed, yes. Um, no, no, I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. Fingers crossed. It's it's almost certainly got to be better than this week's episode. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, this was uh, underwhelming. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, our review was not underwhelming. But thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Do appreciate your support. Don't forget, rate and review us on the iTunes Store if you want access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts or you want this show a week early. Just go to Patreon.com/slash/FourFigureDiscount. But for now, I'm Dando, Mr. Davis. Any final words for the listeners? Oh, only two. Legalize it.